right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson, and along with me is Nick Springer. Hello. Well, we are uh, going to have a very short show today, so i uh, got to jam-pack a lot of stuff. We are out at 445 today for KU Women's Basketball against Penn State, the Nittany Lions, which uh, for the longest time, I, I don't know, maybe what? this will get me in trouble back home. What? My wife thought it was the Nifty Lions. Nifty? Which I, I kind of like better, to be honest. Nifty Lions? Yeah, like what is a Nittany Lion? What is Nittany? I think it's just a, a mountain lion. Is that is this just another name for it? I think I it'd think be so. cool if it was the Nifty Lions. I just they'd be like anyway. Shifty. Yeah, you know. Uh, anyway, that's at five o'clock pregame, four forty-five, right here on your original home for the Hawks with uh, KLWN. We are brought to you by Twenty Third Street Brewery here today on RCST. So we're going to be breaking down the KU Texas Tech game. We're going to be breaking down the KU Manhattan game from Friday, and we got a bunch of audio that we're going to get to on this uh, short edition of the show. Let's start right there. KU falls to Texas Tech 16 to 13. Certainly not the score we predicted coming into the game. Yeah. That was uh no fun and KU drops the 7 and 3 on the season. And it's one of those things where Lance Leipold said it after the game and I th- I think it it very much resonated with with me. He said something along the lines of and we'll play the post game audio here coming up. Um you know, sometimes you get so inundated with, well, we've we've taken these quick steps and yeah. you, you want to jump from point A to point D as yeah. opposed to going from point A to point B to point C to point D. And I think after getting to 16th in the college football playoff ranking, 7-2, and two, you start jumping from point A to point D and being like, Big 12 title, New Year's Six Bowl. <laughs> and the realistic measure should have just been, well realistically, like, they're still growing as a program. Were they going to win all three games? Like, I don't know. Those, those are probably against the odds from the get-go. No, maybe with a healthy Jason Bean, like, that that becomes more of a conversation. And, you know, maybe uh, this is just, I don't know, a weird coin flip game that, that things happen. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what made Saturday probably the most, I don't know, disappointing, sad, whatever word you want to use, for the fans was that all of a sudden you did all of a sudden get your hopes up about – hey, this isn't just, hey, we have a decent football team and they're doing well and it's fun to root for and it's a cool story. Yeah, It was like expectations are, oh my gosh, we could be in one of the premier bowl games. We could yeah. be in a Big 12 title game. Yeah, And that came crashing to a halt with uh, a lot of things that went wrong for you on Saturday. Yeah, and listen, this Texas Tech team, they're a good team. There's a reason why they were predicted to be kind of a dark horse candidate to win the Big 12 yes. title in the preseason and whatnot. And they'd had a challenging season with injuries of their own at the quarterback position and and, and whatnot. Uh, but still a really, really good team. And, you know, we, we, we talked about how you can't look at their record and say, okay, this is a game Kansas should easily win. But uh, what's, I think, in a vacuum, you know, I and even prior to the season, this was a game that I maybe picked them to lose. I don't remember for sure. I mean, they've had uh, troubles versus Tech. We, we talked about yeah. it. They've never beaten Tech by more than three points. Yeah, 2-22. and 22 all, Well, now 2-23 and 23 now 23. all time. And Baron uh, Morton, you talked about this last week. They're now four zero when he starts and finishes yeah. every game. Yeah, when he plays every game, they've 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 right. won. They haven't lost. If, if he's healthy for a couple so. of those other games, they have a third some, string. You some, know, maybe they're I don't know six and four, seven and three right now. Right? Something else that I mentioned last week that ended up coming to fruition as well was the fact that Texas Tech was just lining up, running HB dive, sprinting to the line, running it again, yeah. sprinting to the line, running it again. And when you're giving up six, seven yards a carry. That allows them to keep doing that over and over and over again. I will say that was more and of just the first quarter. Thing. Yeah, they just yeah, they, KU yeah. adjusted very very well. But no, I will say KU's, that first quarter ended up kind of being the difference. Yeah, no, KU's defense played an outstanding mm-hmm. game. They played a fantastic game. They made adjustments in game. Mm-hmm. They did what they needed to do to slow down the Tech offense. They were really really good. Yeah, I think and, in general, I would just say like no shame in that loss. It was great no, fight absolutely. all the way around. Absolutely. They they fought their ass off. Like and something, defense, everyone. Yeah, and, sometimes you lose close games. And back to what, kind of the point I started with this before we meandered around it a little bit was. Yeah, in a vacuum, 
a loss like this really, you, there's no reason to hang your head about it. There's no reason to be upset about it. This is, it was a good tech team. You played really, really well. You fought through adversity. It was a really close game. In a vacuum, it's like, okay, you know, that, that sucks, but hey, you know, good game, right? But then you add in everything that you alluded to to start off this, which is, okay, you went out, you have a chance to go to the Big 12 title game. You have a chance then to maybe go play for a New Year's Six Bowl and, and, and beyond that, right? And then, you know, sports, man, it's a cruel, <laughs> cruel is. mistress. Well, because okay. you lose the game against Tech, and then Oklahoma State gets absolutely yeah. demolished. Demolished of UCF. Mm-hmm. I mean, Texas just, almost blew it to TCU, yes, too. Yes. I mean, the the way things played out with the other games was perfect for, for Kansas if they were able to pull it out against Texas Tech. So that's where it really, really hurts, right? That's where it really, really stings. It's like, man, you really were on the precipice of all this of, of all these things that you that you talked about, and now you're kind of robbed of that because of injuries to the quarterback. And, you know, every team, every team in the country is a quarterback injury away from being much, much worse than, than what they are, right? And to circle back, that goes to show you how important and how great Jason Bean has been because Kansas had a quarterback injury, and look what they've done with that. I mean, look at the flip side of this. Texas Tech is a great example. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech loses Tyler Shuck, and their season their season, yeah. gets, their season goes down the drain, okay? KU loses Jalen Daniels, or he's, or he's unable to play for, for a majority of the season, and with Jason Bean... They're just rolling along, and they're in position to do all those things that we talked about to go to the Big Twelve title possibly, and, and and all that. And they're seven and two, but very very few teams can overcome one quarterback injury. I don't know that there's hardly any teams that can overcome two quarterback injuries and go on their third string and expect to to win, especially against a tough Power Five opponent, which is exactly what Kansas was trying to do on Saturday. Sure. And Cole Ballard was everything you could ask for and more. I think. I mean, yeah, that dude yeah. is a warrior. That dude played really really well. And KU may need him again on Saturday against Kansas State, and he he was fantastic given mm-hmm. the circumstances. Yeah, and no, let, no, let's let's talk about Cole Ballard right now. Yeah, um, because I, I did like you look at the stats at the end of the day. It's nine of twenty for like one hundred and twenty yards, no touchdowns, one picks, ten carries for twenty yards. I think by the way people, was not his fault. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't even necessarily think that it was Jared Casey's fault either. Like, it was just a is great that play. a ball that Jared Casey comes down with a good amount of time? Yeah, I mean, probably. What sucks, I think it was just, yeah, great defensive play. I mean, I think what sucks about it, though, is like you would never expect that type of play to happen to a guy like Jared Casey, who is your, arguably your most sure-handed player on the team. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect him to have a ball ripped away from him like that. But, but yeah, just a really good play by yeah. Texas Tech. And then you had three Tanaka Scott drops. Um, yeah. Two were in big moments. One was just on that little like jet sweep play. Which they tried to toss for it. I don't know if that play would have even worked. And in, in looking back at it, I mean, they they defended it pretty. Yeah, well. it was a weird play. Um, but anyway, I mean, so the stats would have looked better in that way. And then it's just like, I don't know. Like he 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 didn't look like a true freshman walk on quarterback. Like no. he looked savvy enough in there. Like was he as good he as Jason running. Bean? No, but he there's was, a reason he's behind him, right? Yeah, he was running. He was making plays. But, I mean, the yeah. third and ten run, and like where he was willing to sacrifice and put his body on the line. That is going to endear you. When you were a backup quarterback coming in there to get your team to rally around you, yeah, and um, I, you I know, actually, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like I thought the, I thought the speed option game, the outside option game, which was reflective in like the sixty-yard rushing touchdown they had, which yeah. by the way I forgot until I rewatched it today because like in the moment it was like, oh my it was god, second and twenty-one after a second and twenty-one, unbelievable. Yes. Um, I thought they actually had better success with the speed option with Cole Ballard. I don't know if that's something about reading the defense here or there or whatever, but that's a story for another day. I thought Cole Ballard played good enough for you to win the game. And Absolutely, that's yes. I mean he's a third string yes. true freshman walk on quarterback. No, I had that is all you can ask of I him had to people do. after the game being like, well after Jason yeah. Bean got hurt, you were never gonna win. That is objectively not true. Yes. Cole Ballard nearly did. led a ninety eight yard drive from his own one yard line. Down, all the way down. And Daniel Heishaw gets tackled on fourth and goal. If they score on that drive, you would have objectively won the game yes. with Cole Ballard. Yeah, so, so anybody I, I, who wants yeah. to come up to me and say, well, after Jason Bean got hurt, KU never had a chance. That is just not true. That is wrong. Mm-hmm. Cole Ballard played good enough, well enough to put you in a position to win the game. Okay, which I, I think adds to the frustration about the fact that it was there, then you lose, but in a vacuum it's not that big of a deal. But then you watch Oklahoma State absolutely collapse in the most hilarious fashion, and you watch Texas almost lose. Like, all that stuff piles up. I have a take, and I'm afraid to say it because if Cole Ballard goes out on Saturday and starts and throws like three picks against K-State, <laughs> it's going to sound very silly. So this is a, uh, uh, uh overreaction take. So, okay. you know, I might, overreaction. I might pull it back next week. We'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. I don't know. It might be Jason Beat. Whatever. Um, when I watched Cole Ballard on Saturday, 
I remembered watching freshman Brock Purdy for Iowa State, and I was like, okay, who is this guy? And I was like, okay, you know, he's a little mobile, pretty accurate thrower. Like, he's got a little moxie to him. I don't know that he does, like, anything, like, you know, at an astounding level that's going to get him drafted in, you know, day one or day two NFL pick. But I was like, oh, he's pretty good, pretty good player. I feel like Cole Ballard is Brock Purdy, <laughs> which is, like, a huge compliment as a walk-on third-string quarterback in what KU could possibly have there. It really is. I mean, Brock yeah. Purdy had a good college career. I know there's a lot of jokes about Brock Purdy. Uh, whatever. Like, he's made a nice career out of himself. So, I, I don't know. I, I think there's something there. Now, uh, obviously, in that regard, the thing that sucks about what happened at the quarterback position is that it, it's one of those things where it's like, we, we talk about this all the time. Like, if, if KU beats K-State on Saturday... And you look back and go, okay, you went one and one between Tech and K State. Like, that's you like, probably take that, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. But it, again, it's more the, it's the outside it's the idea context. that losing to Tech has now also with how many injuries there were in the game, guys getting beat up, even though a lot of them came back, like Mason Fairchild and some others. Yeah, it has now set you up to be in a worse position against Kent. Like, you almost would have rather been like, we'll just lose by thirty to Tech, but have everybody healthy. Yeah, because you know Mike Nowitzki gets hurt, Brian right. Abeldu gets hurt. Uh, Mason Fairchild, Lou Grimm, hurt, both right? Bella Dotson and Kobe Bryant. Jason Bean. Jason Bean. So that's going to be the conversation all week long. What is Jason Bean's availability? Well, uh, we have some clips from Lance Leipold, the first of which was Lance Leipold immediately in the post game. So this was in the aftermath of KU Tech from the uh, Anderson Football Complex. Here's what he had to say after the game on Jason Bean. First of all, uh, what was the nature of Jason's injury and how was he doing after the game? Oh, he's had injury. Um, and uh, he says he's feeling better. We'll see from there. Okay, so that was interesting. Head injury, because if you remember when he first went down... Yeah, the, the circumstances it around this like are... like it was like a leg injury, knee a injury. Little, Yeah, a little murky. Because he kind of gets bent back. He's like, he's holding the knee, and then he kind of limps yeah, off the field. Yeah, he gets hit, field, and then right? he gets off the field, and, and then... he limps off. Then he comes back. Then he comes back, and for some reason and they, they run, run a him again. play where he's running to the left and with he a gets limping like, knee. Yeah, and he gets like smashed up yes. high and down low. And his head hits the turf. Yeah. So I think so this is kind of interesting. So the fact that he says head injury, does that indicate that the leg is fine? Or does that indicate that he has both injuries? Dude, you should know by now. We spent ten weeks yeah, we're trying never to know. uh trying to navigate the murky waters of Lance Leipold's comments about various injuries. <laughs> and, well, you want to do it again? And- <laughs> we have another one from today. Here's another one from today. This is a question from uh, Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports. The last question was Henry Greenstein, by the way, uh, from the LJ World. Here, Here's uh, today's interaction talking about Jason Bean's availability. Jason, well, what's the nature of his injury? And was he well, able you to know, practice I'm not going to get into the nature of, of injuries in depth, but uh, he did not practice last night. Um, and, uh, but my latest is I'm very optimistic that he'll be, he'll be playing on Saturday. If Jason can't play and it is Cole, who would be back Cole's backup? Well, it could be it could be Ben Easters, could be Mikey Pauly. I love that. Like we're we're non-committal to even who the fourth string is. Um, well, you don't expect to get there. I get you hope not. You really do hope not. But yeah, man, uh, it feels like to me like Jalen Daniels just done for the year at this point. That that seems to be the the growing sentiment. Yeah, I mean, that the, so you know, we got a peak of the KU football depth chart today. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but you know, Jason being at the top. Cole Ballard was second with an or, and then Jalen Daniels was third. And that has been kind of indicative when the, you know, the order of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We had we had uh, investigations of depth charts in the past where that was the case. Yeah. So the fact that he said very optimistic, I saw, and the quote went around like wildfire on social media. But when you listen to the quote, I don't know how optimistic he actually sounds. <laughs> Oh, so now, now we're investigating I, I uh, investigating the tone but of like, voice. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Given everything that we have gone through this year and the lack of clarity and the mind games that have been played at quarterback, are we actually to believe that Jason Means going to play on Saturday and that it is an optimistic feeling, or is this just another mind game to try to make Texas Tech, you know, prepare a little bit differently because so, Jason Means more Kansas mobile State. and yeah, Kansas State, sorry. yeah. Um, Make them have to prepare differently than, than for Cole Ballard. So here's here's today. It's it's three nineteen p.m. Central Time mm-hmm. Monday afternoon. Here is what I think right at this as of right this moment. I suspect Cole Ballard is going to be is going to start on Saturday against Kansas State. Cole Ballard's going to be the guy. And I I I wonder almost if maybe there might be some 
play sprinkled in there where Jason Bean comes on the field as either some kind of decoy or some something. But if he's good enough to do that, is, shouldn't he just be good enough to play? I, I don't. I don't know. But again, I've we've seen that KU likes to have somebody. They KU likes to sit down. I think this is pretty clear at this point. Andy Kolnicki. They like to the offensive staff. They like to sit down on Monday or by Tuesday at the latest and say, "This is who we're starting for the game. This is our game plan." And they like to build off that over the course of the week. So if Jason Bain, it's again, it goes. It, 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 you basically circle back to the Jalen Daniels situation. If by you know today or tomorrow, Jason Bean is like, eh, I might be able to play, but I don't know, man. Like it's it's not a guarantee. When that has happened, I think KU goes with the next man up, so they go to Cole Ballard. But maybe Jay, but like I said, maybe maybe that's where the I'm optimistic Jason Bean is going to play on Saturday comes from from Lance Leipold, which is, yeah, maybe he's not going to start, but maybe we get a chance to get him in there for like I don't know a play or two. Or something. That's yeah. kind of what I think. Could be. Could be. Well, either way, I, I, I don't think circling back through this, I, I don't think that's the reason you watched, lost the game. I thought I thought Ballard was good enough for you to do it. The reason to me that you didn't win the game, you just didn't execute enough, right? I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't some, a level bad, of fry or anything. bad game management. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the red zone offense. It was the two worst red zone defenses coming into the game. Texas yeah, Tech was worse in the country, and Texas Tech... Second worst in the Big 12. Yeah, tech second worst in the Big 12, and KU had three red zone trips. They scored six total points, okay? Yeah. Um, the game management stuff, uh, not calling timeouts at the end of the first half when Tech had the fourth and one at their own, like, 34-yard line, and then yeah, Tech runs I, up to the ball, and they run the clock down to 40, and then they so take a timeout, that was a and weird, then they punt. It was a weird situation because KU had a player get injured on the play before that. And I thought that KU was just going to call timeout for the injury, and they didn't. And then the injured player went out the field, and they ran another 40 seconds off. Yeah. So it was a, a weird situation. And then you ran once with Devin Neal. He got five or six yards, and you took it into half, which, like, I, I sort of understand. Here's the thing. Like, I, I can actually see part of the thinking in all of these that I'm going to talk about here. Yeah. Like, the thinking here is probably, oh, we have a third-string quarterback. Let's just get into the locker yes. room, not do anything stupid. I honestly am not that upset about it. This, this, this one going into half, I'm not that upset about but it. But here's where, here's where it loses me. I think that's fine if it's a tie game. I think it's fine if you're down one score. You're down 10 nothing, and they're getting the ball to start the second half. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you would have made another field goal there? If you would have gone for it and, and maybe got three points, right? That, yeah, that well, my, my big good. concern was that Texas Tech has been the most aggressive fourth down, one of the most aggressive yeah. fourth down teams in the country. My concern was that you call those timeouts, and then Tech is like, okay, thank you. Now we're going to go for it on fourth down, and we'll go down and score more. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I With that one, I actually... I was fine with it. I was okay. fine with it then. I'm fine with it now. Uh, and then the the this is the one that I, I don't think is defensible uh, among all of them. It, KU gets the goal-to-go situation. I think it was before the second and goal. It might have been the first and goal. I can't remember. Yeah. 44 seconds left. KU takes a timeout. That, a goal-to-go down by three against Tech. Dude, I was in the stadium. There was I a thought lot, Tech called it. Yes. There was a lot of confusion in the stadium about people around me in the stadium were saying, well, wait a second. Tech called the timeout, right? right? Like it was Tech. Because and then what? they take it away from Kansas, and it's like the realization set in of like, wait. Yeah. Well, and what's what's even more annoying about that is, think about the play you ran after that. It was just a regular QB draw. Like, if you're going to call timeout there, it, and you want to make sure you have the right play, I I, sure. I almost can sort of maybe no, but here's talk my myself thing that. into here's, No, no, here's my thing with that. There's 44 seconds. If you have second and goal, that means you have three plays. Realistically, you only need like 15 to 20 seconds to run those three plays. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So even if it takes you an extra 20 seconds to get everybody organized, huddled up, and get the right play call, it doesn't matter. You're going to be fine there. And what ended up happening is by calling that timeout, instead of bleeding an extra 10, 15 seconds, you you basically, instead of it being, hey, we're going to set this up that we're going to either kick a field goal to go to overtime or win the game with a touchdown, you set it up that they had enough time to run three plays, get down the field, and kick yeah. a field goal. I mean, it, it, it's one of those situations where you have to end the game with the ball. Either, yes. end, the, either end the game with a touchdown or end the game with a field goal. The, the, or even if you have end the game on fourth and goal at the one going for the win, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You no, end the game with the ball. It's yeah. borderline indefensible to not end the game with the ball. Yeah, there. so I was thinking, uh, some key play calling stuff. The the third and goal, Devin Neal pass, got a lot of people riled up. I'll be honest, I, I, the more I've thought about this one, I'm actually cool with it. So, okay. You've run Wildcats so well for three weeks now, and you have never thrown it once. I mean... Here is the issue that I have with it. Okay. When you call a play like that, 
we played the audio from Devin Neal early in the week. Devin Neal had said, I'm I'm begging to throw the ball. I want to throw the ball. Okay? Devin Neal himself said that back on Wednesday earlier last week. Here's the issue I have with that call. You make that call no matter what the coverage is, no matter what the circumstances, Devin Neal's throwing it. Okay? He wants to throw it. He wants you see what I'm saying? You make that sure. call, and even if it's like even if there's like an option for him to run versus throw, it does not matter. Texas Tech could have put all eleven guys on Lawrence Arnold or whoever he was throwing it to, and Devin Neal throws it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like about the call. If you're going to make a call like that where there's an option, something like that, just put your quarterback in there. Just have the quarterback make the decision. Because the running back is going to just do what the play says no matter what the coverage is. Right? And that's exactly what happened. It was quadruple covered, triple covered. And what happened? Devin Neal threw it anyways. He was going to throw it. He was going to throw it if every, if, if every person in the stadium was covering that play. Sure. 40,000 people covering Lawrence Arnold. He throws it in. No, I, I, I mean, it would be so easy. To, you've run it so many times that the guy just gets lost in the back of the end zone. And but it's wide open. The thing play. is, is like, it's one of those circumstances where we'll put the ball in the hands of your best player, right? Mm-hmm. Devin Neal's your best player. But put the ball in the hands of your best player doing what he's the best at. Oh, yeah. If you running. rewatch the play, even if he would have just been committed to run, it was stuffed that way, too. I understand so that. I, I don't yes. Know. But, but. He's better at running than passing, yeah. obviously. I, I, my, my biggest issues was the the first half one off the ninety eight yard drive that, that then you ended up running. I, I just don't like on third and goal at the one or fourth and goal at the one or third and one. If you're gonna run the ball, get under center and do it. You know, because but again, dude, these these. I mean, the guy like Cole Ballard. I mean, he's probably taken shotgun snaps his entire life. How many times has he gone under center? I don't know. K runs under center a good amount. Not really. I don't know. I just like see people think people think it's as easy as just like well, get under center. If you're a guy who has taken shotgun snaps your entire life, it is not as easy as just getting under center. I don't think. I don't know that. Maybe that's going back and looking at it and see. But Ku does run plays under center, so like there's no way he's not practicing. Like they do. They just run plays. It, it's maybe not as much as the other stuff, but they do. It's just the fact that when you're on those situations, if you're not running under center, it completely takes away the threat of a QB sneak. And it changes how the defense goes at it, and it just it, it sure. just doesn't. I'm not work. disagreeing with anything you're saying. I'm they just saying ran like the same play on third and goal at the one and fourth and goal at the one. And what stunk about it most, if they would have just ran QB sneak both times, worst case you're at the one, maybe you get a safety out of it, but you also lost like four yards and then you, it you ended up, up losing right? five yards. Yeah. yeah. So some of that stuff, uh, the end of game defense deciding to sag off at the end of the game when you were playing great defensively and, and changing it up, that wasn't great. The first half run defense, more of the first quarter, really just the first drive run defense. Yeah. Uh, the punting was was bad, and th- that punting cost was, you some points there. not great, yeah. Honestly, the defense I thought was excellent overall. Yes, I thought Cole I Ballard was good enough for win. Devin Neal was almost the hometown hero again because he was fantastic throughout the game. Um, just a lot of things. You didn't execute well in certain areas. I thought it was the worst game for the receivers. That was reflected in the uh, Pro Football Focus scores. Doesn't yeah. mean everything was bad. There were just some moments here or there, the, the three Tanaka Scott and, drops. And listen, Lance Leipold said post-game, you know, this is on me, yeah. which I think that's – that shows a lot of leadership. Yeah, and I think this is more of a sad loss than a mad loss. You know, like the Agreed. Oklahoma yeah. State one is a mad loss. It's like you shouldn't have lost that game. This one's more of a sad loss because of what it means. It's like, oh, yeah. well, there goes the New Year's Six operation or, or any chance of, of doing that. But yeah. big chance this Saturday to get back at it against Kansas State at 6. Let's get to our Pearson Collision Hit of the Week. Coming up next, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch service makes my body feel loose and limber and gets rid of some of those day-to-day aches I have from a long day at the office or working out at the gym. During the stretches, all you need to do is relax and breathe deep and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have massages, rapid tension services, and advanced skin care. That's Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and South Black Bob Road in Aletha. Welcome back into RCST on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We get to our uh, KU recap of the Manhattan basketball game from Friday night coming up in our next segment. Again, we're out at 445 for KU women's basketball coverage here today. Uh, our hit of the week brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football. In your car, not so much. Quality work, every job. Pearson Collision in Lawrence. Some options All right, there's stick an, out. There's an obvious option here. There is an obvious option. Obvious Let's get to answer. Armaj Reed Adams was lined up. Yes, as like a slot. And absolutely it was unbelievable. Just 
destroying a person. It was one of those things, too, where, like, like... I couldn't believe my eyes. Everybody was, like, realizing what was happening as it was happening, and then it happened, and yes. he delivered and more. Yes. And it was even better. And I don't even remember <laughs> what happened on the play. They could have lost two yards, for all I, I know, but it was like awesome. A, I think it was like just, a like, a three-yard run dive. or something. Yeah, I think it was a dive. But it was awesome. <laughs> it was down. so awesome. Yes. I mean, dude, this guy was moving. He was in motion, and you're right. To your point... It was one of those things where it was like, everyone saw it, and they were like, wait, is this going to happen? Like, is, is he going to do this? Is he going to do it? And then here comes little old Texas Tech safety thinking he has a chance to make a play. Bam! Yes. Just gets absolutely demolished. I mean, pulverized. Yes. Crushed. Destroyed. Yes. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so that one, I don't know, probably later in the clubhouse, but let's discuss some of these other ones. There was a uh, third and one in the first quarter that Texas Tech ran a receiver screen, and Rich Miller came all the way from the linebacker Scott yeah. spot and just screamed across, slammed the receiver down short to this, create fourth and one. They yeah. did convert the fourth and one. Yeah, this was a good play, too. Yeah, yeah. this one stuck, stuck out to me as well because it, it, you're right. At the time, it was a pivotal moment. They ended up getting the fourth, the first down, but uh, – a, a big hit for sure. There was uh, the loudest hit I thought of the game. Kenny Logan had a big pad popper on uh, Taj Brooks in the middle of the third quarter. It was like a five to six yard gain, though. Kind of innocuous play. So it's hard to pick that one, but it was a really good hit. Uh, Mello Dotson, I, I think this one maybe undersold a little bit. So Texas Tech had a third down and 16 from their own like 33, 34. Or, I'm sorry, from the Kansas 33 or 34 yard line. So they were like on the fringe of field goal range. And they were just trying to probably pick up either enough yards to go for it on fourth down or to kick a closer field goal. Um, they ended up getting a holding call on this play, which actually adds to the intrigue of, because I, I at the time, I was like, why wouldn't they take the holding yeah, call and, they ended and up for sure push them out of field goal declining range? Declining it, yeah. But they declined it, and they ended up missing the field goal, 48-yarder. So this Big ended up helping. But they ran like a halfback screen or a pass to Taj Brooks. and uh, Or actually, I don't even know if it was Brooks. It might have been a different running back. I think it was uh, Washington. Okay, I think it was. And then uh, Dotson... Like just cut him down from the legs in open field. It, it ended up only being a three yard gain, and they missed the forty eight yard field goal. So that yeah. one was very helpful. Yeah, this one, uh, not so much of an emphasis on the big hits, mm -hmm. but uh, an important hit and a great tackle in the open field that limited Texas Tech certainly. Uh, because you're right. If I mean, if they get, if they get, you know, a couple more yards on that, they they're going for it probably. Yeah. Yeah. So. This would be the one that I think is the biggest competition to the Armage Reed Adams. I think the Armage Reed Adams, by like the fun nature of the play and, and what happened, is just the most fun one. But this one, honestly, would probably be the most impactful. Kenny Logan, it was third and eight for Texas Tech. So Tech converts the first third down on the drive on the Kobe Bryant pass interference. And then they get a third down and eight. And they throw to, to Aiken, the receiver, like right at the sticks. It would have been really close whether he would have had it or not. Just depends when he would have secured it and where the ball would have been. But then even if it's fourth and one, they probably go for it. And Kenny Logan knocks him hard and the ball comes out, just squeaks out of there. And it forces a punt for you to get the ball back in the final three minutes and eventually go down and tie the score. Yeah, so if I recall, what, what was more added to this play was uh, – KU got pressure on Morton on that play and yeah, kind of forced him Booker to throw maybe? it. Yeah, yeah, he forced it. He forced him to throw it kind of awkwardly, and the receiver Aiken initially does like kind of has to come back and make the catch a little bit, and then you're right, Logan comes up and makes the hit and forces him to juggle it incomplete. And uh, yeah, certainly a pivotal play in the game because if Tech gets that first down, the game could be over. Yeah, it could be. So what do you want to go with here, dude? <laughs> I got to go with Lamar Street Adams, right? I got to go with Lamar Street Adams. I have to. All right. Don't I'm, think good so? that. I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. I, if you were going to push back on it, I would have maybe no, I mean, been okay with it. But We haven't had an offensive lineman on I here mean, yet. I mean, dude, this dude got absolutely blasted. Mm -hmm. Lamar Street Adams is the biggest player on KU's roster. <laughs> I mean, he is the... he is World of hurt. Yes. I mean... Yeah. No, we, we don't have an offensive lineman on there. I mean, so I, think I don't think I would have... I don't think I would have survived that hit if it was me. <laughs> Right, well, I think it would have been literal murder. <laughs> that is our uh, Pearson collision hit of the game. Pearson knows accident happened. Understand the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted experience, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pearson collision repair, 7th in Connecticut in Lawrence. Are you willing to put this above Kobe? Or where does this rank to you on the whole season? It's up there, but I wouldn't put Kobe it Bryant's above the Kobe one. Bryant one, and I wouldn't put it ahead of the J.B. Brown forced fumble against OU Okay, because so of the third. importance of it. Okay. It might be third. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, I don't know. The Daniel Highshaw UCF one was so disrespectful <laughs> and fun. Him just trucking the dude. That would be up there, too. Anyway, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to some KU basketball, KU Manhattan recap coming up next on RCST. Feels like it was uh, eight years ago at this point, but KU defeated Manhattan on Friday night by a walloping score, and once again, they failed to cross the 100-point plateau. Dude, what are the odds? <laughs> Of scoring 99 points. Exactly, both times. In two in consecutive games. Ridiculous. And that's about the only thing that they failed at in their first two games was failing to score 100 points because another dominant outing for KU. Yeah. Uh, this time against Manhattan. And, you know, the shooting wasn't as good. It was hard to be at 13 of 23 in the first yeah. game. But they still shot like 38% on a good amount of volume in game number two. So, I, I mean, the more that you string good shooting games together – um, the key will now be doing it in some big games, too, like Kentucky. But th- the more you start to not really worry about that as much. Yeah. Well, live, it didn't feel like KU was just dominating as much as they did against NC Central. But then you look over the score and you're like, oh, <laughs> they they kind of were. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, another great game. I mean, listen, I think now Hunter Dickinson has settled into what he's what we thought he was going to be. I mean, he's just going to be a 19-9 guy. Night in and night out, and it's just going to be you know some games that might be where's Hunter Dickinson? You look at the scoreboard; he's got 19 points. Other games that might be more impactful, but that's I think that's just who he's going to be. That's just who he's going to be. Uh, so he he looked really really good. Uh, Kevin McCuller, I think, is continuing to to step into that role, that Jalen Wilson esque role. Maybe not necessarily from the scoring perspective, but just as the leader of the team mm-hmm. uh, vocally. And I thought he looked really good. And hey, Dewan Harris, he shot. He did shot the ball. Good job. Way to go, Dewan. I didn't know he was allowed to do that. I don't think he knew he was allowed to do that. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, and then I think, obviously, one of the biggest takeaways was the play of Johnny Furphy, right? Outstanding. I mean, he he looks like he's going to be somebody who's going to have a real impact. And, you know, now I start to think of, okay, this is what he's doing. This is what he's doing in this game right now. Imagine if he wasn't dealing with chin splints. Mm. Maybe he would have just earned the starting job Michael right Jordan. away. Well, well no, the Australian just, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Australian Larry Bird. That's racist. <laughs> Why can't he be Australian Michael Jordan? He can be both. You just picked Australian Larry Bird because he's white. <laughs> well, yeah, Larry Bird's white. Yeah, I'm just saying. Why can't we have cross racial? Okay, compare. Sorry, you can be whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. He's the answer. He's the national player of the year. I'm uh, I'm all aboard on Johnny Furby. <laughs> Uh, obviously, we're we're over exaggerating, but I mean, he's been really good so far, like you but, said. No, yeah. Before you derail what I was trying to say. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, imagine if you. I'm just. I was just saying, like, if he wasn't dealing with shin splints, this could be a situation where maybe he could have earned the starting job from the get go, right? Yeah. Whereas now we're having this discussion about maybe going forward here soon, he might be a guy that's in the starting. Could position. you see him starting against Kentucky? I mean, he was 15 points. He was Eight. aggressive looking for a shot. He had three threes, right? Three of seven, I, continue, I think. Yeah, three of seven. Re- continues to rebound well. He's switchable I, on the defensive end. I continue to maintain that I don't think it really matters who's starting because guys are still going to end up playing the same amount. But if you're Bill Self, at some point, maybe you have to reward his play, right, with getting the starting job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess it's one of those things where it probably doesn't matter to the team but think about if you're think about your Johnny Furphy right now and you you're playing really well in games you feel like you're doing now obviously we're not in practice day in and day out but from the games he's he's playing the best i think of those three guys Furphy, Jackson and Timberlake right so think if you're if you're Johnny Furphy and and you're playing really really well and and, and whatever and yet you continue to be the third option off the bench behind those two guys at some point you you, you know Rightly or wrongly, you start to have that thought in the back of your head of, man, you know, I'm I'm better than these dudes, and I'm not really seeing it in the games, right? In terms of like starting, I think Bill Self at some point has to acknowledge that and just say, hey, you know what, you you've earned the you've earned the opportunity to be the starter out of these three guys, and even if, and even if you end up not playing, like it's it sounds silly, right? Because maybe Furphy's not the starter, and they all end up playing between fifteen and twenty minutes. If Furphy is the starter, and they end up playing, and they still end up all playing the same amount of minutes. But you, the optics of it, right, from yeah. Furphy's perspective, it's it's rewarding a player for playing well, even if it doesn't really change much. Still, that's something that you would tangibly see of, wow, you know, I've been playing really well in games, 
and it, I'm you know I'm I'm working hard in practice, which we assume even though we're not in practices, and now it's being reflected in the fact that I get to start. Yeah, well, and and I do agree with what you said at the start of that, where you were saying it doesn't really matter who the starter is because I mean hypothetically the yes. guy coming off the bench the, could play from more the, minutes from the outside right? perspective, the game? from the team perspective, from all that, you're right, it doesn't matter. But, but it's, like it's when you go in the mind of to, a freshman yeah. player, you know you want to you want to reward good play with something tangible that they can be like, wow, okay, yes, this is I'm doing well, and here look at the outcome. This is why it does matter though, and why I think you've seen that reflected. Guess what? El Marco Jackson has played 50 minutes so far this season. Nick Timberlake has played 39. Johnny Furphy's played 37. So, as much as we do probably make too big of a deal of who's the starter and versus who closes the game, guess what? The guy who does start the game typically does play the most <laughs> minutes because that's usually indicative they are the best player. So, yeah. I think that becomes interesting. Now, I do think there is a little bit there with El Marco that Bill Self has let him get some extra run late in the last two games because he's like, you know, this, this guy's a little raw. Let's build up his confidence and let's let's get him progressed for the season. But uh, maybe this isn't the game to do it. Kentucky plays a bit of a smaller lineup, at least with their current iteration of the roster, because they have some injuries. Um, they play a couple combo guards in there, so maybe it makes sense to match with El Marco Jackson out there too. And either way, both guys will play a lot of minutes. Um, I think the role for Johnny Furphy come conference play, you're probably look. I mean, I don't know. I, I still don't want to overreact too much. It's two games against much lesser competition. Based on what we've seen so far, though, it, it's easy to see this guy playing 25 minutes per game in conference play. Now, that said, if Marco Jackson still has the highest ceiling of that group of, of players competing for the fifth starting spot, which, which he, he might. probably does. Yeah. Then you do want to continue to give him a long leash, yeah. right? And you do want to play that out because what if come January, El Marco does, you know, play better than Johnny Furphy. Either way, though, I feel a lot more comfortable about the team's bench, about that position just in general, about the three-point shooting, and a lot of reasons why are because of Furphy. Yeah. Which I mean, is crazy that one bench player freshman could change things that much. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, he has shown to be the second-best three-point shooter of your guards right now, right? Of Timberlake, Jackson, and Dewan Harris. Yeah. And Furphy. He's the second best one. I mean, technically, he's shooting better than Timberlake. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I know. But realistically, expect you're expecting Timberlake, Timberlake to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. You expect Timberlake to be the best. Kevin McCuller, again, if even if he can shoot 34% from three, I think that's very significant. Dickinson continues to show that he can step out and, and knock shots down. Uh, so, yeah, the, the three point shooting concerns, I, I, don't, I don't know that they were necessarily overblown because I think it was a pretty valid concern. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like KU is in a better position now than where you maybe we thought they were, you know, a month ago uh, in that area. So that's a real big positive, I think, for, for KU because we talked about it. You know, three-point shooting is something that is generally a qualifier of a team to go win the national championship. Like, you need to be, at the very minimum, like a competent three-point shooting team if you want to be a national champion. That's been reflected in the past. Uh, and so if you're KU and you can be at that level and then have Hunter Dickinson and have Dewan Harris and have Kevin McClure with great defense and all that stuff, you know, you don't, you don't need to be the best three-point shooting team ever. You just need to be good enough and then you rely on your other strengths to potentially carry you even farther once you get to February and March. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with KJ Adams early in the season too. I'm really interested to see the Kentucky matchup because he's going to be going up against a guy who uh, is probably going to be a top five pick in the draft. Uh, what were you? I don't know. Thoughts on uh, I guess Jamari McDowell's debut because that was uh, something that was I guess kind of interesting too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be a guy that, like Bill Self said, is somebody that is probably going to have a role on the team, even if it's just for a few minutes, spot minutes here and there, right? Because the one thing is. We haven't seen this team have a game where there's foul trouble, right? I mean, what if KJ Adams is in foul trouble, and then you've got Kevin McCuller trying to play the floor, the four, and you have to spread, you know, you're spread thin, or you know, Hunter Dickinson gets into foul trouble, or things like that. So that 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 to me was in the back of my mind as I was watching Jamari McDowell uh, play. Is there, there's going to be some games probably where you're going to need guys to to step up like that and play more minutes if you have foul trouble issues at, at other areas. So I was intrigued by it, and I, I thought he I thought he handled it fairly well. I mean, he didn't do anything too crazy, I don't think. Uh, so overall, I I think he's probably going to be that guy that's going to play a little bit here and there. But you may need that in certain games, right? You may need that in certain games. Uh, and and you know, we we talked about this a lot last year with with KU's team, where 
we know Bill Self likes to cut down to playing seven, eight guys. It, but if you're doing that in December, do, do those guys get wore down over the course of the season? And I know we kind of went back and forth on it, I, you know, one way or the other of like, uh, I don't know, you know. But I think you do still need guys that can that can play a little bit more, you know, over the course of a season. And Jamar McDowell may be that type of guy where you can give guys a rest. So I think he definitely fits in and has a role. I don't think it's a significant role. And Bill Self has said as much, you know. What did he say? He said Jamar's ceiling was that he was a rotation guy. Yeah, and then he I said long-term yeah, Travis Relford. I think that's pretty fair. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of where he could be at for this season specifically. Mm-hmm. What did you make of uh, some of the recruiting stuff that happened? I, I guess they had a, a yeah, four-star so recruit. Tucker, yeah. yeah, Bryson Tucker came and visited, uh, which he's a guy that number 26 prospect, I believe, on 24-7 sports, uh, four-star guy, and somebody whose recruitment was very, very quiet. I mean, there's quiet recruitments, and then there's what Bryson Tucker's recruitment was, which was absolutely nothing reported. Uh, he had like one quote uh, earlier in October talking about how maybe he was thinking about just foregoing college and going pro somewhere. And, and and the thing is, is he's a class of 24 guy that I would assume KU would try to get him to reclass and join it semester. I'm not really sure, but uh, I do think it's pretty clear now that KU is actively searching pretty aggressively to add another depth piece to this team uh, at some point. And what I mean by that is basically add another Jamari McDowell. Add another guy that is probably not going to do much for you once you get into like the tournament and stuff, but somebody who can give those extra minutes in games where you do have foul trouble or you know if you do encounter some injuries, which I think could be very possible given the track record of a guy like Kevin McCuller and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it seems pretty likely that KU is going to attempt to add somebody. And Bill Self earlier back in October had, or even even before that, I think, had alluded to the idea of going international and adding another international player possibly at semester, which in that case, you know, it's just going to happen. I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have a good, a good, no, there's not a, like a big board know. for international yeah. <laughs> recruits and who's getting offers. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of tough to read exactly what KU might be looking for, who they might be targeting in terms of that. But in terms of not international players, it seems like Tucker might be the guy that KU is looking at the most. And, and again, it's hard to say exactly what KU is foreseeing with him. Is, is he a guy that they just want to – because, he, again, he's a twenty class 24 guy. Is he a guy that they just want to add for class of 24? Or is he somebody that they think would be added possibly at semester or whatnot? I, I, I don't really know. I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. But it does seem pretty clear that KU does – want to or would like to add somebody uh, to add some extra depth, but I, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, well, Okay, uh, by the way, I have tallied up Rock Chalk Pickahawk. Mm. Do you think you won or lost? Well, I did not have Hunter Dickinson. Correct. You had him. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I lost. Okay. Hunter Dickinson got me 24 points. That is a lot of points. He did. He had 18 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block in just 20 minutes of play. That is that is insane. That is. But Kevin McCuller got you 20 he, points. Okay, there we go. Because he, so he had 15, 15, 7, 4, 2, and 1 in 26 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dewan Harris, though, got you negative 4. Yeah, the thing with Dewan Harris is he, he wasn't racking up assists. Which, by the way, I am like very certain he got jibbed of an assist early in the game because I w- I looked I I watched him with my own eyes have two assists. I look at the box score and he had one. I like this under timeout. Okay. Which the reason I bring this up and the reason I know this is I might or might not were have you, had uh, over five and a half assists. Say, were but you nonetheless? Were you invested in other ways? I, I was, and uh, I I think uh, statistician might have jibbed him. Let's go back and watch the tape. Let's okay. reset it to six. Okay. You know? Uh, anyway, uh, KJ Adams got me 14. I, I mentioned that I thought he played I'm, really well. I definitely lost then, I think. Uh, Parker Brown got me 16. I definitely lost. Uh, no Marco chance. Jackson got me 10. And Dylan Wilhite got me 2. Wait, did you add up the math right here? I did. How did Marco get 10? 
Because he had nine points, ten assists. Oh, that's right. He did have ten assists. Yeah. Also a steal and a block and uh, two rebounds. 29 minutes. Hmm. Dylan Wilhite got me two, which would have made him your third highest scoring player. And Justin Cross didn't play, so he got zero. <laughs> For you, you had McCuller get 20. Would you like to guess how many points your team finished with? 20. 17. Dewan got you negative four. Nick Timberlake got you negative seven. Michael Jankovic was negative one. But shout out to him. He did get his career high in points with six yep. of them. Yep. Two threes. Yep. Uh, Johnny Furphy surprisingly only got you one. That's the thing, man. This new format of Pickahawk is tough. tough. It is cutthroat. It is cutthroat. And uh, Jamar McDowell got you eight. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I, I think what we're le- rebounds are just so valuable. Yeah. Because it's an easy way to spike up points. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Helps the I mean, Parker listen, Brown I mean, got three I think blocks. Regardless, you, I mean, you could make up any format you want. Hunter Dickinson would be the best, no matter what. No matter what format you go with. He would be the best. What if we made rebounds one point? Would he still be the best? Yes, because he's going to score the most amount of points and get the most amount of rebounds, probably. But those are if those were just both worth one point, then theoretically an assist would be worth double, or, or would be one assist would equal one point and one rebound together. Okay. That was a weird way of putting that, but you know what I meant. But if Hunter Dickinson gets 20 and 10, and Dewan Harris gets nine assists, that's still more. Not if Dewan gets... 12 points and 9 assists, then it's the same. Do you think DeWan Harris is going to score 12 points? Yes. He did it multiple times last year. I think early in the season, those first two, he was just like, I'm just going to distribute. <laughs> I would not be surprised if he puts up like double digits against Kentucky because it's like somebody's got to score. You mm. know? Okay. So we'll see. So uh, the real season starts now tomorrow. Yeah, it does. It does. We're going to learn a lot in tomorrow's game. Tomorrow's show will mostly be talking uh, KU Kentucky Champions Classic. So be on the lookout for that. All right, one hour down, 45 minutes to go. We got KU Women's Hoops coming at you tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that. Get some KU men's basketball audio. Get some KU football audio. More KU football content coming up on the show in the 4 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. We are out early today in about 20 minutes for KU Women's Basketball. All right, we got our KU takeaways from uh, KU football falling to Texas Tech 16-13 to on Saturday. What was the biggest positive of the game for KU? I think there was a couple really big positives. Uh, I think, number one, again, the defense had an outstanding game. They made some adjustments, but there was a couple big negatives. It was kind of like a negative positive sandwich. Mm-hmm. Negative, positive, and then a big negative at the end that kind of helped, you know, lost you the game a little bit there. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, I think a big positive is just either Devin Neal helping take over the game, or I think you could just say Cole Ballard stepping in and, and playing the way that he did. You know, that you know, it wasn't a situation where Jason Bean left and the game was over, right? KU was still right there with the play of Cole Ballard. So that's kind of three. I think I might go with Devin Neal, though. I mean, Devin Neal really was the difference maker in the game, right? He scores that long touchdown that kind of gets everything rolling for KU and, and was explosive throughout and, and made some nice plays. So Devin Neal, the hometown guy, I think was the biggest positive for KU. Yeah, I'll go with Cole Ballard. I mean, getting that, I, I, I thought you feel more comfortable with uh, who he is after the game. Honestly, the Wildcat plays for me were the biggest positive. Mm. KU ran the ball out of the Wildcat, I thought, very good, and they continued to do that over the past couple weeks. So Yeah, but they also had the missed pass. They so. did, but that's just one play among okay. all okay. of them. Okay. I know it's a key right. moment. Right. I know right. it is. Right. 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 But I, they, they started sprinkling in the plays where they have both Ballard and the Wildcat running back line up, and they don't know who it's going to snap to. <laughs> I, I like those plays. It was fun. Uh, what's the biggest negative? Oh, boy. I mean... I think you could look at punting. I think you could look at um, the pass defense on the last drive of the game. I don't know. I mean, I guess the wide receivers also. Wide receivers struggled. You know, that there was some mis- misplays by the wide receivers. Or maybe just injuries. I don't know. In- my, honestly, my biggest negative might just be the injuries that you left the game with, right? Jason being obviously the, being the biggest one. But you had two guys in your offensive line that got injured. Your top two starting corners, both misplays. Luke Grimm, Mason Fairchild, plus uh, any number of guys that are probably playing through something that, you know, we can't, we don't really see from the outside. I think, I think with the K-State game coming up, the fact that now you're going to be maybe the most banged up you've been all season heading into that game, that might be my biggest negative. Yeah, the injuries would certainly be it for me. Um, I mean, to lose Jason Bean too, uh, 
Honestly, maybe this will make us appreciate him even more if he misses Saturday. And I, I think it did on Saturday. Because, like I said, I thought Cole Ballard played well, but he yeah. still played. You could have won the game with you Cole You knew Ballard. there was another uh, but, you know, level that, that you can get with Jason Bean. In yeah. the same way, it makes you appreciate Jalen Daniels more, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's just kind of that uh, all the way through for them. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was the the decision-making, some of the game management stuff. That, that for me, would be the other one. Uh, yeah. Biggest neutral of the game? Mm, biggest neutral. Uh, I, I've got a good one here. Okay. You want to go first? Yeah, run defense. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because overall for the game, like, Kate, I mean, Taj Brooks, you, you look at the total, and he had, yeah. what, 133 so, uh, rushing yards? Well, before you go into more, let me yep. just tell you what, what I thought. Uh, I was sitting in the stands, and watching the game, you're like, dude, KU is getting torched on the ground. What are, What is going on? These guys are just, you know, they're It was just, just because of the first impression. Runs. And then I look over at the stats on the scoreboard, and Texas Tech is averaging like 3.6 yards per carry. They finished the game averaging 3.1 yards I know. Per that's carry. the thing. But like sitting in the stands watching the game live, yeah. you're like, man, defense is just uh, It was a gashed. first impression thing. It was yeah. a first impression thing. Because yeah. they that, that's why it's the biggest neutral. You started the game very poorly there, and they just came out and were running it down your throat, and that allowed them to get the big cushion that eventually yep. helped them win the game. Um, but also for the overall math of the game, like you played well with run defense. So I think that's why that's my uh, biggest neutral on this one. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. What do you think the KU play of the game was? I know they didn't win the game, but you know, if they did, what would the play have been? Mm. I mean, I think it's got to be Devin Neal's touchdown run, right? I mean, that got that, everything going. Yes, the, the, that was what started. I mean, they felt like the game no started. Yeah, it felt like the game started when that that play got happened. the crowd into yes. it. Yes. Um, that certainly would the be game, up there. It felt like really started when that happened. I mean, the OJ Burroughs interception, Tech was up ten nothing throwing yeah. to the end zone. No, so that's an underrated. I mean, you you just I get mean, buried there if you exactly. don't make that interception. E- e- right? I mean, even if Tech's kicking a field goal there, right? That still feels like yeah. uh, a really o- almost too much to overcome at that point. If so they would have won and or scored a touchdown on the final drive, the third and ten scramble by Ballard where he gets crunched by two guys and just gets enough for the first down. <laughs> I mean that that showed so much like moxie from a yeah. young kid. Yeah. That would be up there, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the Devin Neal 60 yard touchdown run. Yeah, it just got every, it just got everything going. Like I said, it felt like the game started at that moment, mm-hmm. right? It's like okay, game on from here on out. Uh, which which you know through the through the ups and down through the ups and downs and emotions of a game, that's what always impresses me so much. Is like you know in a game like that for KU and how things were going, it you know after that touchdown by Devin Neal, you you literally can just erase away everything that happened before that and just be like, all right, game on, here we are. And that can be tough to do. That right, that can be tough to do. That can be tough to overcome. Maybe dwelling on on things that happened previously. But but uh, I thought that was really impressive. And and Cole Ballard didn't dwell on that certainly. And he, he kept he kept things going for KU. Yeah, he did. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're gonna take a time out. Get some Lance Leipold audio coming up next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst1320am at gmail.com. That's rcst1320am at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.